Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio episode 127 with On Air with Ella's Ella Lucas Everett. When you're trying to create something new or enter a new space, the imposter syndrome, the little chatterbox is like, you can't do it. You don't belong here. You have no business being here. Everyone's already done it better than you. And I think this is huge when you're trying to create something, whether it's, I want to step into a different career, or maybe I want to start my own blog, or maybe, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the space with something that you desire to do. I think that's when the chatterbox is the loudest. Your brain is wired to protect you by not establishing new, scary, unfamiliar patterns. And it's your job to be like, now we're going to create some new ruts in the brain on this one. Like, no, we're going to set out into some unforged territory. Start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent. And welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. Have you ever stood on a stage or been up in front of a large group of people and felt like there was a brick in your stomach? You felt your lungs tighten up like a vice grip and you were like, how the hell am I going to get through this? Well, you are not alone because behavioral psychologists and the data sets show us that being on stage and being perceived as somebody who might make a mistake is actually perceived by the brain as the same feeling as dying. That's right. Some people fear being on stage more than dying. In that same light, on today's podcast, we're bringing on one of the best public speakers I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, Elizabeth Lucas Everett. My fellow podcaster and friend is also known on the iTunes world as On Air with Ella, where she hosts some of the finest minds in health and wellness. We're talking about the imposter syndrome, that reason why when you're up on the stage, your brain's telling you you're not enough, it won't work out. There's a biological reason why this happens, and it's much more to do than how we were wired for millennia as a tribe and has a lot more to do with what mental habits we put into place every single day moving forward. To some extent, we kind of all have this mental noise that can tell us we're not good enough, we don't belong, what happens if people find out about us. Oftentimes, these thoughts can be the loudest when we're chasing down a dream that really matters to us, one that calls us from the pit of our stomach or from the core of our heart. Now, this fear of exposing ourselves as a failure, it can actually dampen and limit our exploration of the emotional intelligence it takes to be how we get to be so we can have the life we really want to have. Ella's going to give us the practical and everyday tips that we can use to take radical accountability in our lives, understand why the brain is wired to repeat certain thoughts and activities, even if they hold us back, and how we can choose to provide the mind with new patterns and challenge ourselves in order to change the desired outcomes. My guest today is Ella Lucas Avaret, speaker, podcast host, and personal change agent. Ella, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh, how are you? Well, in this moment, I'm feeling pretty excited because this imposter syndrome that we're going to talk about today in depth on the show with you, it's something that so many people out there deal with. High achievers, I know I have myself dealt with this quite a bit in life. So I have a ton of interesting questions for you today around imposter syndrome, but I want to give people a little more background on you, Ella. If they don't know who you are, who is Ella? What does she do? What is she all about? Oh, she's complicated, Josh. (laughs) First, actually, I just want to say thank you so much. It's a total privilege to be able to talk with you and your audience. So I'm so glad we finally got together, Josh. Absolutely. Me too. 
I joke that it's complicated, but the truth is this. I don't make my living in podcast land. Like I'm a businesswoman. I own a business. I've owned and operated this business for about 15 years. And about three years ago, I just had this burning passion, Josh, that you can maybe relate to, yeah. to create and to share a different voice in a different way. And I created On Air with Ella, which is the podcast and then my sort of online world that has taken on a life of its own. And Josh, it started with like this common theme, this common thread that weaves us all together, which is wellness. But it's evolved really into more, into talking to people about how to live better starting right where they are in so many areas of their life. So it's taken a hard turn into personal development and I couldn't love it more. Yeah, we were talking before we recorded and this is something where it's coming through you, this work of personal development. You started out kind of in the wellness realm. And as you've talked about on the show so much, your own personal journey is the one that you share the very most. I mean, you're so open on the podcast. Is there anything at all at this point <laughs> that people don't know about you? Something fun or unique? Look, I think we're all just beautiful disasters. You know what I mean? One of my favorite author says that life is brutal. And I just feel like there's so much honesty and so many layers in that. Like, I just don't see any point in trying to project some image of perfection. I mean, first of all, I could maintain that for about seven minutes. Like, let's keep yeah. it real. <laughs> and there's just so much room in this world for people who tell the truth. And they're like, you know what? Life is hard. Like, it's messy and it's difficult and it's fun and it's full of passion and, you know, vitality and light and a dark side. And I just want to kind of just shove it all out there and meet people where they are. And one of my favorite, favorite quotes, and I say it all the time, but it's Arthur Ashe's quote on achieving greatness. And he says, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, everything. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> so whatever it is, I'm going to call it and I'm going to be like, start here. Like that's all we can do. That rings so true because I think a lot of people, maybe you can relate to this with the high profile clients or even just the everyday podcast listener. Everyone feels that they have to be at a certain point before they can make a perfect system. And what I love about you is you're like, listen, just take a breath and start where you are. I mean, when did that start to come through you, that messaging? Well, I'll tell you something. And this has so much to do with what we're talking about today, which is the imposter syndrome, because in business, Business, which is, like I said, where I cut my teeth, so often you look at people who are successful or you hear them speak or you read their book or whatever, and they're describing their journey of success as a linear one. Because when you've made it, like if I were to go into business school, there's a business school here that I speak to a couple times a year, and I go in and I'm like, can I give them 11 steps toward building a kick-ass business? Yes, I can. Yeah. But I'm doing that in retrospect, Josh. I'm doing that with the benefit of hindsight, and I can tidy it all up. But was it linear in any way in the doing? Like, hell no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like this big ball of yarn and it's all snarled up. And you can go back after you've gotten to some milestone or some accomplishment and you can unsnarl it all and, and you can make it pretty and you can describe it in a way that sounds systematic and meaningful. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of fiction. Like it's useful because it's useful to share best practices, but it's misleading because we give the impression that it was systematic and almost easy and efficient to begin with. Right. I mean, so many people just talk about the highlight real. And I think this is what I enjoy about your show. You know, it's funny. Last year I was working with a client and she was like, you need to check out On Air with Ella. And I listened to a few shows and I listened to a show where you were just so 
brutally honest about like why you even took a break from your podcast. And I was like, we need to get her on Wellness Force because this angle that you take, Ella, starting exactly where you are, has there been a moment in the past couple of years where you had like, oh my gosh, this is a restart for me. This is like a restart moment. Was there one of those that came up recently for you? Oh, so many. So I started a brand new business. So a third business. I started a business from scratch in an arena I had no knowledge about or skills and I had to learn on the fly. So we could talk about that for hours. In the health and wellness sphere, I crashed and burned. So actually it was related to the startup. And so I focus on the startup, my health just tanks. And I'm sitting here in a situation where I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be the bearer of light. I'm supposed to bring information and inspiration to people. And I'm supposed to be, you know, able to talk to people about fitness and motivation. And I like, I'm broken. Like, I'm 12 pounds up. I'm a triathlete in my spare time with a very small T, Josh. And I didn't do a single race all year for the first time in 16 years. And, you know, and I'm uncomfortable and I'm unhealthy and I'm not sleeping and I'm stressed out. And I was like, how the hell can I go and talk to anybody about anything? Like, I, I haven't earned the right to talk about it. Like, I fell off the wagon. I feel like a fraud. I feel like an imposter. And, Josh, the thing that broke that spell on me was dragging that into the light and picking up the microphone and being like, hey, uh, <laughs> hmm. let me tell you a little bit about where I am right now. Yes. And I'll tell you something. There's a line, Josh. I'm not one for like true confessions and dragging everybody through all of your things. And yeah. But there is such power in just the authenticity of saying, yeah, you know what? I'm struggling. Here I am. Let's talk about it. Oh my God. Can I just get a hell yes on that? <laughs> because I did that yesterday where I just was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about something that's truly up for me right now. And it was when I was 22, I starved myself. I lost 80 pounds and then I gained back 60 of it in like four months. And it felt so good. And I had like a hundred people that wrote to me and they're like, hey, thank you so much for telling the truth. And isn't that what we're all trying to do, Ella? We're trying to get to the truth with as few words and as quickly as possible. And I think that's what everyone truly desires. And this imposter syndrome gets in the freaking way of that so much. Can you tell us like, what's your definition, your personal definition of this? And why is this message coming through you right now? Well, first of all, that was a great post. Let's just high five you right now. That was a great post. Oh, thank it, you. It, I thought it was so brave. It's scary to air your shit out there. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because, and this sounds so dumb, but the people who can relate to this will be relating hard. Yep. So I have this thing where every time I eat, I look like I'm four months pregnant, like immediately, my bloaty tummy. It's so embarrassing to me. And I'm just like, oh, dear God, like it's so embarrassing. And I'm supposed to be fit. And then every time I eat, like I have this reaction and I put my little bloaty tummy picture on Instagram like a few days ago. And I was <laughs> dying. I was dying with mortification. I was like, okay, you guys, I promise to leave this up for 24 hours. I probably won't leave it up for 25. It's super mortifying. I'm totally embarrassed, but I just want you to see what the struggle bus looks like. And I mean, I got like 18 times more comments than I get, yeah. you know, people are just like, oh my God, me, this is me. Like, thank you. I didn't know, you know, and when you put the ugly stuff out there, not for the sake of, again, there's like that line, right? Yep. It's not for the sake of mm, the seduction of the yuck. And like, here's my train. Wreck. Almost it's, like an over vulnerability where people use vulnerability to get attention. Like leverage. Exactly. Yep. That makes me batty. And I don't have a need to do that. But when you have pride and you set it aside in order to share the things you know you have in common, it just builds community and strengthens relationships and it helps people understand, oh, I'm not in this alone. Like I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know that, you know, it's messy for everybody. So yeah, there's beauty in that, ironically. So much beauty. 
And I'm thinking about there's been sections, even creating this podcast where I'm like interviewing someone I deeply respect. And I'm like, wait a minute, am I actually good enough to talk to them? And I'm like, wait a minute, where's that software coming from? That's not real. Like these thoughts come up, right? And I think they're all in alignment with this imposter syndrome. It's not something that affects the entire world, but people that are high achievers specifically. I mean, you're in a realm, you have one foot in business, you have one foot, I believe in spirituality, but yet the imposter syndrome can be hard to talk about for people that are in these high profile positions. Like how do you start a conversation with a CEO of a fortune 50 company about imposter syndrome, right? Even if they're feeling it. So just unpack for us, like what is imposter syndrome? It's such a great question. And it's the feeling that we all have felt at some point or another. It's I don't belong here. It's I am an imposter. What if they find out? Hmm. We know that we aren't who we believe we're supposed to be, right? And so we feel false. Like we try to hide that true self from people. So we add layers and we pretend to be what we're not because we're afraid we're not good enough. Or we create aloofness, if you will, like a layer of protection so that people can't get too close because they might realize that you're a fraud. Or maybe you're just in a professional situation and you have this tape running in your head where you're like, oh my God, I don't belong here. Like they all know so much more or how did I get here? And if anyone gets too close, I will be found out. Do you know what I mean? That tape that runs? Yeah, I do know what you mean because the voices are there, I would say on a consistent basis, but I just choose to kind of turn my attention towards the right instead of the left. I feel like the voices always come in when I'm tired, angry, lonely, or hungry, right? (laughs) It's when I'm missing my self-care, Ella. That's when the volume of imposter syndrome or those voices come up. Do you feel like that? There are definitely amplifiers. And I would add to that, there's a situation that I think is so important to talk about. And it's when you're trying to create something new or enter a new space. The imposter syndrome, the little chatterbox is like, you can't do it. You don't belong here. You have no business being here. Everyone's already done it better than you. And I think this is huge for men and women alike, Josh, because when you're trying to create something, whether it's, I want to step into a different career, or maybe I want to start my own blog, or maybe, you know, et cetera, et cetera, fill in the space with something that you desire to do. I think that's when the chatterbox is the loudest, honestly. So you can have amplifiers and other triggers, but the one that I'm so passionate about is helping people understand what that voice is when they're trying to create something new, make a change in their life, or just get something born. Oh my gosh. And especially in this day and age, I mean, with technology and the way that people, I read on LinkedIn a few weeks back, most millennials have a job for less than two years. So there's a constant reinvention of who we are and what we do. And even you and I talk about this, right? With our brands, it's like, we're constantly finding our truth as we move forward, as we quote, fail forward, right? Imperfection is actually like us trying to be perfect. And so it kind of self-sabotages its own right. So we're standing on a wall of perfection. It's eventually going to crumble. Do you think that perfection is really the ethos of imposter syndrome? I think that I have this working hypothesis. I think that It's really important to understand what it is and what it is for you because the very nature of understanding it gives you the ability to hold dominion over it. And so for some people, it's perfectionism for sure. But I'll be honest with you, Josh, you know what I think perfectionism is? I think it's just fear wrapped up in a different cloak. Mm. So I think that some people it shows up as perfectionism. I think for some people it shows up as um, like a frenetic busyness. And what I mean is, oh, I can stay busy like a champ, Josh. Like if you tell me my taxes have to get done, you watch how productive I get on every other area of my life. Like we create busyness email. We will read 
and respond to a thousand emails in a day because it creates a sensation of busyness without getting us any of the results that we actually know we want to work towards. For some people, it just shows up as the self-limiting beliefs and the automatic negative thoughts and like the self-talk and the inner critic. It shows up as sabotage in others. And another way it shows up is like a lack of intimacy and a lack of an ability to connect with people because, you know, you don't want to reveal your authentic self. So I yeah. think all of these things are dressed up and sort of trussed up, if you will, but they're just fear. I love how you said it was fear with different clothing. <laughs> that was such a great analogy. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about the antidotes that you found have been most successful with this imposter syndrome. But I want to ask you because, you know, we're half beast and half spirit. So we're in this physical body. We're here on planet Earth. We're like a meat suit on a rock spinning throughout our space. <laughs> and we're all trying to do our best. But we have this ancient software. You and I have a mutual friend that I know we both love and respect, Bonnie. And she talks about in episode 87 about self-sabotage. We'll link this in the show notes because there's 10 thousand year old software that tells us to be safe and safe means pertaining to what you were talking about. If someone's trying to reinvent themselves, that's kind of biologically scary. So how do we circumvent that and know that it's not just imposter syndrome, it's also our biology? Well, I love Bonnie Kelly. Shout out to Bonnie. And I think this is such an important topic. And I'm so glad that you asked this question because first of all, it is so important to understand that when we talk about fear, when we talk about the I don't belong here syndrome or the imposter syndrome, I think it's so important to recognize that this is not just some like weak emotional state that should be written off or you should sort of beat yourself into submission or coddle it with this self-esteem building, self-help kind of like, actually it's science. It's actually your brain trying to protect you. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole two hours we could talk about oh, yeah. and we won't, oh, yeah. but I mean, it's real. Your prefrontal cortex is doing its job and telling you why things are impossible because it doesn't want you to die. Your brain is wired to protect you by not establishing new, scary, unfamiliar patterns. And it's your job and it's what separates man from beast, right? Yeah. Is your ability to be like, no, we're going to create some new ruts in the brain on this one. Like, no, we're going to set out into some unforged territory and I'm going to, you know, explore new territory for myself. And your ego's going, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kids are afraid of the dark, right? Adults are afraid of the light. I think Bob Proctor said that. Adults are afraid of the light. It's terrifying to think of all the new possibility and all the things that we could be. Like there's a part of our lizard brain that's like, no, shut it down. Mm. And again, I think it's so important to understand that because when you understand that it's true and that it's science, it allows you to have dominion over it because you can look at it and examine it instead of being driven by it. This is such a great narrative and it's victor or victim because authenticity yeah. is something that I think a lot of people are just afraid to yell out their truth. I mean, my talk that I did, I know you're going to be speaking at, at Sean Crox's mastermind coming up this year. And my talk two years ago was called Speak Your Truth. It was about my journey about like what it took for me to actually open up my mouth and speak what was truly in my heart. And I think this is what so many people are afraid of. Why are we so afraid of this? What is that? Is it just science or is it something else? You know what's really, really tricky here? I'm going to totally blow this up. Okay, don't get mad. What's really, really tricky about this is I believe you can be an imposter. Like I actually think there are territories where you are an imposter. And what I mean by that is 
And a less sort of provocative way to say it is there are spaces that you might be dabbling in that aren't in alignment with who you are. And so I think it's so useful to ask yourself these questions and be like, wait, what am I really afraid of here? And is this fear putting a different cloak on? Because sometimes, Josh, we operate in a space or we delve into a space and there's something that just feels out of alignment for us. If you can ask yourself the right questions, challenge yourself, you might reveal that this is not a space where you can create value or where you're seeking to create value. And frankly, I think that's also quite useful information. Yeah, it's really taking an emotional inventory of what's true, not just on a biological level, but also on like a deeper subconscious level. I mean, the answers are always there. Our body, our mind, it's always giving us signals, always, all the time. So this separation then between what is authentic for someone, what's their truth, and how do they know then if they're going to be in their truth or if they're dabbling in something that's just not really in alignment with them? Everything I talk about comes back to sort of like a phased but iterative process for me. And that is one that starts with awareness. And only once you've established any kind of awareness and questioning can you move into what I call radical accountability, which is where you actually understand that everything kind of starts with you and ends with you. And when you are able to sort of pass through those two stage gates, then you can start really sort of exploding the concept of abundance in your life. So my whole thing, my whole mojo is awareness, accountability, and abundance. And those stage gates that we move through, they're iterative. So we're moving through, moving through, moving through, and hopefully elevating. And so awareness might just begin with asking yourself some of these questions. So let's say someone's resonating with any part of this conversation that we're having, and they're like, you know what, something doesn't feel right to me in my business environment, or I do feel inauthentic in that space, or yeah. you know, I want to be in this space, but I don't feel good enough. I don't feel adequate. And I'm saying, Let's start with awareness. Like, let's start with asking yourself questions. Is this just fear of feeling like you're going to fall short? Because let me tell you something about fear. If fear could have killed you, it would have by now. So in other words, like it goes back to that primitive brain, back to that lizard brain. If fear could have killed you, it would have by now. All it can do, and it does it very well, is contain you. So it's not going to kill you, but it's sure going to contain you as long as you live there. I just ask for people to sort of sit with that in whatever is resonating with them. Maybe they're trying to create something, like I said, and they're like, yeah, but I'm so busy or I can't find the time or I can't find the focus or blah, blah, blah. You know what all that is? It's noise that you're creating because you're scared and we all do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they might go down this pathway of like wanting to be a movie star, wanting to be, you know, on the television or whatever it is. And then at some point they get pulled to something else, but then you find these people that are in their forties, fifties, sixties, and they're like still chasing down their dream. I think it's a very famous story. The guy from Sam Adams, I think he became successful when he was in his 50s, like late 50s. So this is really interesting. I love where we're at in this conversation because authenticity and finding the path that's right for you. I don't know if there's a template, Ella. There's no blanket. There's no like golden ticket for this. I think it's very unique for each person. I think there was a gift in our creation. I think we're actually wired to answer the questions that we ask of ourselves. That's not woo-woo. And its I don't mean it to sound fruity in any way. I just think if you really got honest with yourself, the confusion is a lack of consciousness. The noise, the busyness is a lack of willingness to sit still. And by the way, I have my hand firmly raised. Like I'm a professional monkey mind. And I use busyness as a distraction all the time, Josh. I think we are wired to answer the questions that we ask 
of ourselves. So if you are struggling with a lack of worthiness or a fear that you won't belong or a fear that you can't create something because somebody else did it already or the myth that is perfection and that it's not good enough and therefore it shouldn't be shown to the world. If you're struggling with that, I would strongly encourage you to just accept, even temporarily, even just humor me, accept the fact that we are wired to answer the questions that we ask of ourselves and ask yourself, what am I really afraid of? And and actually, I don't want to skip ahead, but that is part of the sort of resolution for facing imposter syndrome. Yeah, let's definitely go there. But I'm curious about the accountability because you said awareness, accountability, and abundance. I want to know about the accountability piece of this because we're talking about changing the narrative here. What does that accountability look like for you? Is that for your own life or with your clients? Oh my gosh, it has to be in my own life. 1000%. And accountability is a very unsexy sell. (laughs) It's not fun to be made aware and to have your eyes opened to the fact that honestly, it starts with you. Like it starts with you and it ends with you. And let me tell you what I mean. Plug anything into it and I will make a case for radical responsibility and radical accountability. And so our thoughts, let's talk about our feelings for a minute. Our feelings are entirely manufactured by the thoughts, by the meaning that we create around events, situations, circumstances that occur. Like we create all of the meaning around every single thing that happens to us. It's why some people can have an extremely difficult childhood and go on and have absolutely amazingly powerful lives, mm-hmm. whereas others, they get stuck and they can't get beyond those hurdles and they drown in them. And every thing that we do or don't do is because of the meaning that we are associating with our circumstances and then the actions that we take as a result. Okay. So just to talk about it at 30,000 feet, but then when you get into something like imposter syndrome and you realize that it starts with you, like radical accountability begins with awareness. And in my world, it results in abundance. Okay. That's my theory, but radical accountability means like in a relationship, for example. I love this example, so forgive me because I've probably told it to you a hundred times, but people struggle in their intimate relationships, right? On whatever issue. You know, I might show up and say, you know, I'm doing my 50%. Like I'm bringing it to the table and he isn't or she is insufficient in and blah, 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 blah. And you know what somebody said to me a long time ago? They said, you know what? In an intimate relationship, truly in any relationship, you are responsible for your 100%. And the partner with you in that relationship is responsible for their 100%. As long as you own 50% of it, you will always have an excuse for the other 50% failing. Like you're never responsible for more than 50%. So like the other person can wear it and you can be sitting there, you know, shining your halo and wondering what on earth is going on. When you accept the fact that you are responsible for your 100% game changer. But what about what happened to me when I was 12? What about my job? What about these things that got in my way? Circumstances happen and so many circumstances suck. And there are circumstances that I can dream of and think, well, that officially qualifies as something I could never recover from. This is a big topic and I don't want to gloss over it, especially for people who have had, you know, really crappy circumstances, Josh, right? For sure. Exactly. And I would say, all right, so what about you? What about now? What about today? And what about tomorrow? Because I am either completely absorbed in living in my past, or I am wide open to the possibility. So it's past or it's possibility. And like, friend, you got to pick because we have 
every bit of control. And you hear people say this, Josh, they're like, you can control how you react. You can't control what happens, but you can control how you react. Like people talk about that so much that it's almost trite, right? But the truth is what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. Yes. Gretchen Rubin said that. And your brain is wired to repeat the activities and the patterns that you feed it every day. Should you choose to feed your brain the same stimulus, right? The same stimuli, the same thoughts, and they create the same feelings. They create the same actions and you're stuck and you're sort of living this over and over and over again, or you choose to challenge yourself. You choose to ask yourself the questions. You choose to listen to people like Josh and to read people and and listen to people like our friend Sean. And you choose to understand that there are other ways and you accept the fact that it's possible to break these patterns, that it's possible to create new stimuli and to actually therefore have different thoughts and different feelings and different actions. Like this is really, really, really powerful stuff. And it's not just about white knuckling it through life. There's real science behind it. Yes. And it is entirely possible to rewire and to honestly like view your world through a lens that once you've opened your eyes to it, you can't unsee it. But if you want to stay stuck, you'll stay stuck. This is so on point for so many reasons. And what comes up for me is the work of Byron Katie. I don't know if you've read her book, you know, for doing the work. And there's these four key questions. We're still going to get to your antidote for imposter syndrome. But I really want to drive this home with accountability because asking the question, is it true? I mean, that is the fundamental question. Like, okay, the thought comes up. The thing happened for me. It means this. Wait a minute. Is that actually true? Is that actually the truth for me? Or how can I look at that in a different way? And I'm curious, have you ever dove into that work of Byron Katie? Have you heard of her work? I've heard of Byron Katie and I've even heard of her four questions, which I wish I could recite to you right now, but I cannot. And I respect and admire so many people whose work was informed by Byron Katie. Yes. So she has absolutely created a movement of thought work. And I think, you know, there are several resources and I can actually share some with you and with your audience and send them to you for people who really, really help people dig into this thought work and especially challenge people who are stuck in their past and can't see the possibility. And that brings me back to Bonnie. Bonnie Kelly, she transformed her life because she changed her mind. Yes. If anyone had circumstances to overcome, it was Bonnie. I just think it's um, at the end of the day, it's not about blame and it's not about shaming yourself sort of, like I said, into submission. It's about power. It's about taking the power and being like, wait, hold on. This whole thing I'm doing, this whole thing called life, like it's my choice. That's okay. Yeah. Hard, exhausting, tiresome, but wow, there's so much empowerment and understanding that it's not about shame. It's about choice and empowerment. Truly about choice. And we're going to talk about the antidote because you've proven these three things that are really essentially what lifts the fog. Your work in the high-profile corporate world and in just everyday life involves this imposter syndrome solutions. You already talked about awareness. Can you unpack this for awareness, perspective, and action? Those are the three things. Let's dive into each one. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the stuff that can sound overly simplistic until you actually apply it. And like I said, we've talked about awareness. We've talked about how, you know, you have to sort of challenge yourself. You have to sit with things and open your eyes to them before you can start doing the work, right? But I think this is worth mentioning again, and I'll tell you why. Think of it this way. If you are suffering from what feels like a crushing fear, Josh, or doubt, or the feeling that you will never be good enough, you will never fit in, you will never be able to create X, Y, Z because somebody else is doing it already or doing it better than you ever could. 
I feel like it's useful to sort of take that. Like what we do so often is we shove it to the side or we try to eat it away or drink it away or shop it away or, you know, and, and try and tamper it down and stuff it away. Or we just like, we just keep rolling and we roll and we white knuckle through it. And the hard part is taking it and like holding it in your hands and visualizing it and, and making eye contact with your fear and acknowledging it and being like, Hey, and, and taking what felt like judgment or condemnation or fear and turn it into curiosity. And when you can think of it as a thing, right? A thing you can hold in your hands and make eye contact with it and be curious about it. There's an enormous amount of power and transformation in that. And I love something Tony Robbins has said. He said, box it up in your mind and put it underneath you and stand on top of that shit. And I'm like, all right, all right. That's easy to say. But even just the act of personalizing it and making eye contact with it and being curious about it, it takes some of its power away. And it becomes this thing that's separate from you that you want to learn about and you want to understand more. So for me, I might do that when I started the Ella business, when I started on air with Ella. And I was like, who the hell am I? Like, how do I have any grounds to start a podcast in a space that is already overcrowded? Um, I'm not the fittest. I'm not a guru. I don't know how to do CrossFit. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I was like, what could I possibly add to this picture? And the truth, of course, was to just go be me. And the people who wanted to get on that train will get on that train. But when you take that fear and you hold it in your hands, you're like, what is this? Well, actually, Ella, it's the fear of embarrassing yourself. Like it's the fear of showing a side of yourself that you're not accustomed to showing. It's a fear of dragging some things out into the light that you do quite well, not sharing. Thank you very much. And Mm -hmm. when I started challenging myself with those questions, it changed how I viewed something that felt crushing and it turned it into something that I could look, examine, turn around, look at it from different angles. And then, because it's not enough, right? Then After I've acknowledged it, I've made eye contact with it, I changed my feelings of judgment or the feelings that feel critical and shameful, and I changed them to curiosity and a desire to know more about it. After I've done that, it's up to me to now sort of choose my perspective. This comes back to the radical accountability, Josh, where you're like, wait, I actually get to choose how I look at this. And when I understand that I choose how I look at it, it means that I can dance with it. It means that I can laugh at it. It means that I can use it to fuel me, to get me to do something scary, but it'll give me energy to help me get it out into the world. And then here's the answer. Take any action any action. So you've heard the saying before, take massive action, burn the boats. I'm like, you know what? That's great. That works sometimes. I believe take any action is the secret. So can you think of a time, Josh, where you needed something to happen? You're scared. You didn't want to put it out there. And like just taking the smallest action toward it created inevitable and irrevocable momentum. Oh my gosh. I think sometimes in life, it's just reading a blog post that's in alignment with your dream or making a phone call to someone that reminds you it's still possible. The thing that we actually want that has nothing to do with the imposter syndrome because the imposter syndrome is there to tell us, oh, that's not reality. You can't actually achieve that. So I think it's the fortification of knowledge we absorb, Ella. I also think it's their community that we build 
consciously, which is in alignment with the awareness piece. So I think it's those two. I've had so many moments of those. I mean, we'd have another podcast on that. I want to give you some examples just because I think so many people can relate to this. And when you realize how simple it can be, it's sort of freeing. So I work with a lot of people who are interested in starting their own business in an arena that they've not really dabbled in. So they might be fully capable in one space, but they really want to pivot and do something else that maybe is more in alignment with their passion. And you know what I always tell them? And it drives them batty for like the first five minutes. I'm like, you know what? Get your Instagram handle and create your Facebook page and buy your URL. And they're like, this is what I came for. Like, this is the big savvy business advice. (laughs) And I said, you're scared. You're not pulling the trigger. All of the reasons you say you're not doing it. You're too busy. You're this, you're that. It's fear. And the only antidote to this fear is to take the tiniest of steps. They create their little Instagram page with, you know, one follower and it's like their mom or maybe me and, (laughs) and they start their Facebook page and they buy their URL. And all of a sudden they're not a person who was going to start this business. They're a person who started this business and now has to fill it out. It's so powerful because I think it's not about taking perfect action. One of the best phrases I heard, I think it was like five years ago, it's taking the imperfectly perfect action. Because there's no such thing as perfect action. I mean, look, you talked about this earlier in the show, like the perfection. Is it really the perfection or is it something else? Perfection is fear with different clothes on. And I think the real questions that people get to ask when they're in this awareness phase of the antidote is, am I really in fear or not? Am I really trying to be a perfect person or not? What is this really? And I've done an emotional inventory worksheet with clients before where it's one column. It's really simple. I think you'll love this. One column is what are the things that I'm doing in my life that are really serving my greatest good? And in the other column, it's what are the people, energy, vampires, sources, jobs, activities that I'm doing that I truly know aren't of service. And I'll tell you, you can fill up pages on that thing. And that is a beautiful place to start. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that before. I love that because what you're really asking is what in alignment with where they're going and who they want to be and what their values are. I mean, I I think it's brilliant. Yes. It's like a true inventory. It's like looking, hey, what's in the warehouse? (laughs) Like what's back there? Well, and forgive me because one of my favorite things to do is keep it like third grade simple. So I want, (laughs) so let me warn you, if you come over to On Air with Ella for any reason, I speak in third grade. And and here's why. (laughs) Like when you think about these concepts and we get heady and you guys are angels for meandering through this landscape with Josh and I as we're just two people hanging out chatting about it. But like, let's talk about the, the things people always want to know about when they want to talk about eating right. And they're like, I can't do it. Like, I, I'm not good enough. I don't look like this chick on Instagram. Like I can't take care of myself. Yeah. And I feel like I'm falling short or exercise. So food or exercise, you know, universal issues that so many people share in common. And I say, well, what if you just took like one action? What if instead of signing up for CrossFit and running a marathon, what if you went for a walk every single day this week. And they're like, well, that's profoundly unsexy. And I'm like, yeah, uh uh-huh. And you know what? It works. And momentum begets momentum. And one of my favorite truisms, everybody's seeking motivation. Josh, like it's like this third party stimulus and it's going to show up at your door or it's going to show up like a lightning bolt. And motivation is on the other side of action. Funny thing, when you take the smallest of actions, when you start walking in the morning because you decided to move your body, when you decide to add one vegetable a day because you decided to start nourishing your body. When you take any action, the motivation, oddly enough, 
begets motivation. And inspiration is on the other side of starting, not something that arrives at your door like Santa Claus. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people, they won't start until they feel deep inspiration. But I got to tell you, inspiration happens when you take the action. It's not something you feel all of a sudden. And I've actually kind of been hating (laughs) the word motivation lately because I think people that don't feel the motivation, they're like, well, am I doing something wrong? Am I on the wrong path? It's like, no, sometimes chasing down a dream or doing something you really care about, it's not always sexy. I do stuff all the time that I don't love, that doesn't feel juicy for me, but I do it because it's in service to the greater dream, the greater good. I mean, this mindset of always having to do things that feel good, it's just not true. Like, I don't know where this plugs into the antidote for imposter syndrome, but I felt like I really had to get that out there. Are there things you do as an adult that you don't love? Oh, so, 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 so many, because that's the other sort of lie that the interwebs will tell us, right? Instagram will tell you that, you know, life is rainbows and flowers and like perfectly situated coffee cups, right? (laughs) And it's like, not true. Like life is brutal, as I said, Mm. but the thing I live to share to people and sort of unveil and let them know that the emperor has no clothes on is that it is not about huge sweeping attacks on oneself. Change your diet, change your exercise. Do And it's also not about only doing the things that are fun and juicy for you. It is about taking any action that is in alignment with the thing that you know to be your higher purpose and taking one baby step a day. That is the only way I've ever created anything in my life. Yes. And I'm looking at this article too from Forbes and it was about afraid of being found out. And it's actually stating that the research is showing that 64% of women compared to the same test group of men are kind of complaining about the imposter syndrome. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I mean, do you think that this really matters, male or female? Not even a little bit. And so many reasons why. First of all, people lie. (laughs) So people, especially (laughs) if you're feeling inauthentic and you are trying to protect yourself from revelation, the last thing you're going to do is to be willing to be open about the fact that you feel inauthentic and you are trying to protect yourself from revelation. So I'll be honest with you. You show me an individual that is free of this feeling a hundred percent of the time. And I think you have a miracle on your hands. I think they're the point zero 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 one percent that are fully realized, actualized, you know, enlightened humans. Yeah. And the rest of us are walking around in our meat suits doing the best that we can. <laughs> they're floating with their white robe, awareness, perspective, action in the perspective section. I'm reminded of this book I read. It was called The Anatomy of a Calling by Lisa Rankin. It's so good. And she calls the imposter syndrome, the gremlins. And so the gremlins come up. I mean, this is a medical doctor, right? She had many years in the medical space. She became an author. She was hanging out with people from Hay House. And she talks about this scene where she was at a pool party, hanging out with all these authors. Her book had come out and she still felt like an imposter. And this is someone that's at one of the highest realms of success. You know, society would judge her so successful, but yet the gremlins kept coming up and she tried to make it a game. And I'm curious if this game aspect, because I mean, we don't really know why we're here on planet earth. We're getting way deep today, by the way, we have no idea why we're here. Okay. Everybody's pretending like we know she made it a game. So with the perspective piece of your antidote, do you ever gamify this in any way? I don't, but I know that that works really well for people. And I'll tell you what I mean. For me, it works to create a shape out of it and hold it in my hands, kind of like I described. And think about it almost like a box of stuff. So it helps me to visualize it and to almost like personify it in that way. And for other people, it helps for them to think of like those automatic negative thoughts that pop up in their head as little like whack-a-moles that they need to take out. <laughs> you know? and, 
they're like, oh, there you are again, you know? And, and so I just think that that is actually a part of the puzzle, Josh, when you're sitting, thinking and examining and trying to make eye contact with your fear. I think, again, your body and your brain will answer the questions you ask of it and you challenge yourself to demystify it. I think that there are so many different ways. And I love that. I love the gremlins concept. And I've had other people like name their, their inner critic, like these absurd names and, and describe them as these awful little troll like people. And I think that that's just a part of personality and how you metabolize things. And I think it's individual to the person. And Mm. I think it'll come to you if you ask yourself the right questions. I have enjoyed so much the things you've said around the truth and asking the right questions, because really people can have as much knowledge as they want. Ella, people got a lot of bombs from you today that I know they're going to be like thinking three days from now. What did Ella say again? They're going to listen again. But it's knowing and doing. There's a massive bridge between knowing and doing. I'm curious, as we wrap the show, like what has been one of the biggest things you've done from having knowledge? and then actually executing on that knowledge. How do you walk the bridge between? Oh, that's an easy question, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to drop that bomb on you real quick. I mean, that's, you know, that's everything. I I honestly think, and I don't want to oversimplify because it just drives me crazy when people do that. And again, this is that slippery slope, right? Where you hear someone who maybe is accomplished at one task that is something that you're interested in and it sounds easy and therefore you feel like you're cut out of that or you're ill-equipped to deal with that. And so I think that the internets make it very easy to make this whole game called life look too easy Mm. and too simple in retrospect. But Every single time, and I've done a lot of pivoting and a lot of creating things that are new and unfamiliar, and every single time I have faced that blank piece of paper, that's how I think of it, is, you know, I might be successful with this business in this, you know, corporate consulting world, and then I'm like, wait, am I seriously going to put a picture of myself in white shorts on the internet for all of the world to see and start talking about food and nutrition and mindset? Like, am I really doing that? What, you know, and all of those fears crop up, literally, truly, honestly. Honestly, I promise the only answer for me has ever been to take the first step and then take the next step and then take the next step. And you know what, Josh? It's not sexy. And I keep saying that because it's like, no, 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 give me the answer. No, 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 give me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) give me the thing that's wrapped up in a pretty, pretty bow. And I don't care what the new frontier is for you and what success is, how you define it. The only way you will ever know is if you take the next step and the next step. And if you create a bunch of noise around those things, I promise you, you will very successfully convince yourself and sort of work your way away from it. Mm, One step at a time. And there's no need to be afraid because you have community, you have information at your fingertips. We live in such an incredible time. I mean, how cool is it to be alive right now? We we have more tools and toys and things that we can do to help us than I think ever before. Josh, can I just remind us of one thing that, again, I learn everything from other people. Everybody I have ever, ever listened to or paid any heed to, they're all in my brain. And I owe a huge debt of gratitude to so many people who have helped bring me to a perspective that I can now share with other people. And, And somebody else said this before me, but fear if it could kill you, you would be dead by now. So I just really want you to ponder the truth that is the only thing it will do in your life is contain you. This is so good. And I'm going to ask you seven really fast questions. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. What did you learn most when you became a mom about yourself? The biggest thing I learned as a mom, wow, 
life is about so much more than me. And having a child is like holding up this mirror to all of these things that you want to examine about yourself in the most beautiful of ways. Mm. So yeah. Wow. Mirror, little baby mirror that I had. What are you the most grateful for now in your life? People, places, things, what comes up for you that you're most grateful for? Mm, Love. And I would have thought that that sounded fruity 15 years ago. And now I know that it's everything. And so it's bigger than my ego. It's bigger than my worldly desires. And it's bigger than all of the things that I want to accomplish at the end of the day with all these things going on in the world and all of the insanity. At the end of the day, love is baseline. It is all we really have. And it's it, love trumps everything. I sound like I should be making t-shirts or something. <laughs> One of the things I've always felt from you is that you have a deep desire to grow consciousness. And I think that's what you're doing with your show. That's my experience of your show. How do you operate in that consciousness realm in the corporate setting? Oh, gosh, Josh, you're so good at this. I'm just trying to get to know you here. <laughs> That is such a good question. I'll tell you something that in a corporate setting, one of the things that I practice without apology, Josh, is radical accountability. It will absolutely disrupt so much of the normal pattern and so many of the normal dynamics. It is Mm. quite fascinating to see what happens in a corporate setting when you own your shit. And when, if anything goes wrong and you're not taking blame for blame's sake, but if you raise your hand and say, I'll own it, I'll fix it, I'll resolve it. Like there's so much power in that. Mm. And there is so much goodness that comes out of that, that I have found that to be an absolute needle mover and something that I, I mean, I just, I'm unapologetic for unwavering. Oh, God. And my next question is perfect because you desire to be someone who changes others. You're a personal change agent. Why do you love this? I mean, why do you recognize with those words? Well, I love that. And I want to be really, really clear. I'm not going to change anybody. But what I find utterly fascinating is that when we work with people that can open our eyes to things, we can't unsee them. Well, I can be that for some people just in the same way my mentors have been that for me, Josh, including the mentors I've never met, right? The books that we read and the things that we learn. And so what I realized is so profound is that when you can work with somebody who gives you a new lens with which to view your world, you cannot unsee that. And if you are given some tools that help you sort of plug through some of the challenges that you're facing in life, you might not always pick up that tool, but you can't unlearn that you had it and you know how to use it. I love being the bearer of that new frame of mind or those new tools for people. It totally lights me up. You are heavily set in growth. What's your biggest growth edge right now? I mean, is there a threshold of fear or just of growth that you're currently in the process of crossing? Yeah, absolutely. And there always should be, right? And one of the things that I'm working on right now that I've been working on successfully and humbly is the ability to understand that I need to slow down and that there is no prize because I took so much pride, Josh, in all this ego work and accomplishing things professionally. (laughs) You took so much pride in the ego work? (laughs) Yeah, man. My ego was like, you're nailing this thing. And you know, through circumstances or maturity or whatever else, you sort of realize like, wait a minute, like, first of all, what am I doing? And secondly, there's no prize, like there is no brass ring. So what are you doing? And being willing to slow down and not treat it as a weakness is something that I'm not proud of it. Cause that's like, that doesn't make any sense, but I'm like, I'm grateful. Like, I'm really grateful that I'm understanding that slowing down is not 
a weakness. And you're so like, you're such an inspiration in that area. I couldn't do half the things that you do. I couldn't go on these nine day silence retreats, <laughs> <laughs> but I can slow down a little. I bet you could. Yeah. Just it, timing, right? The timing of everything. Thank you for saying that because I know someone's listening and they're feeling inspired like I am about this imposter piece. If they're feeling this, Ella, what's one thing or maybe just a starting point that they can walk on if they are forgetting that they're enough, if they're feeling this imposter syndrome? I love to talk in what I call Monday morning strategies, which is something you can just pull out of your pocket and do immediately. And so I would love to give you two answers for that. The first one is, is to something we've already said, and that is to ask yourself what it really is and to spend time with that. Spend a little bit of quiet time. I don't care if it's 60 seconds. Ask yourself what it really is. And we've talked about that. So I feel like I need to give you one more just little tip. Mm. And so another uh, card that I'll pull out of my pocket here is one of the most profound things you can do if you're trying to create and you're feeling really imposed upon by these fears is create an accountability, an accountability loop. So an accountability buddy is absolutely like the power of having an accountability buddy on anything you are trying to do or start or create or have it around yeah. is just amazing. So that's just one little hack that I think is super, super useful. It can be your Skype buddy. It can be your best buddy. It can be a phone buddy, whatever works for you, but some means of creating an accountability loop. And it could be people that are in the community for honor with Ella or wellness force radio community doesn't always have to be physically in person. So thank you for reminding us about that. My last question, Question. You're a triathlete, you're a mom, you're a businesswoman, you're a personal change agent. How do you define wellness? I mean, what does wellness mean to you in our modern world? Wellness to me is the pursuit of a robust life that is contributing to your purpose and allows you to live a life of value as you define it. And there's a lot in there to unpack, but the bottom line is this. Your values as you define them, not that are being imposed upon you or expectations or judgments that are being imposed upon you. So it requires knowing what your values are, like what really does light you up. Mm. And then the robustness is building out so many different areas of your life in alignment with that purpose. And to me, that's the whole ballgame, Josh. It's like, I can be really killing it in my career, but if my intimate relationships, you know, are sucking wind and I'm treating my body like trash, like, yeah. what is that? That's yeah. not wellness. And so it's that robustness that is in alignment with your purpose. Thank you for the reminder that fear is false evidence appearing real. And it's not just some babble. It's actually the truth. I mean, fear tells us we don't belong. It's actually not true. And I just want to honor the work you're doing on the show. It's been such a joy to get to know you over the past year. And I really appreciate the work you're doing in the personal development world, in the wellness world. Tell people about your show about On Air with Ella. Oh, you guys can find me at On Air with Ella. Come aboard, try it out, see if there's anything for you in there. And Josh, I just want to thank you so much for what you're creating. And this force that you're creating in the world. And it's just truly a privilege to know you. So I'm just so pleased for you. And I just want more, more, more for you. We'll definitely get into more soon. Thanks for coming on the show, Ella. Bye, Josh. Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. 
For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.